Tonight's reading is on page 970, if you have one of the church Bibles, and it's Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what, you, what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Christine, that was uh, great. Thanks so much um, for reading to us. Sorry, something's just flown into my eyes and I'm wearing glasses. Mad place this is today. Um, lovely to see you all. I hope you're all okay. And if you're not okay, I hope you will be okay. Um, Let's bow our heads, let's uh, pray. Father, it's good to be together this evening. Thank you so much that we got a brilliant Bible passage that Jesus is taking center stage and we can actually learn from him himself tonight. Might his words speak deeply into our hearts tonight. Lord, as we think about your presence, as we think about prayer, as we think about our lives in front of you. Would you move within us deeply, significantly? Would you be speaking to us? Would you be encouraging us? Would you be shaping us, moving us forward? Lord, we thank you that this prayer space which you give us as a gift is the place where we can encounter you and we can experience your love. So we pray tonight that we would meet with you and we would know our significance to you in your heart. We're so grateful, Lord, that you're a good, good God and you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Great, so my best time of the week is uh, Friday morning, 
partly because it's, it's my day off and I can get away from the staff team here who drive me completely bonkers, so I need a day off uh, from them. They don't really, they're all completely beautiful and lovely. But it is the best day of the week, Friday morning. It's because Jenny and I are able to... Jenny's my wife, by the way, if you're just thinking she's just some random person. Um, Jenny and I... Um, have breakfast together generally. It was very disappointing we don't have breakfast. We, we dislike school holidays because it means we can't do uh, breakfast together on Friday morning. Can I tell you about this amazing breakfast we have every Friday morning? It is completely normal. Um, we read papers, not physical papers because nobody really does that anymore except if they're old. Um, we, that's... We, we just, we, you have apps for this type of thing, and it's free. The other, my dad, who died about six months ago, couldn't believe you could get all the stuff he used to read for free, on, in the, and he still refused to believe it, even if he saw it his own eyes. But you can read it for free. We catch up on Facebook, might have a cheeky tweet or two. Occasionally we have a chat together. Um, but um, normally it's just, we relax, we relax together and I'm reminded that spending time with Jen is the absolute best. There's no better time than just spending time uh, with her. Heard this uh, story uh, the other week about just a boy, I'd imagine he's about 17, coming home uh, from school, hard day at school. I never really had one of those. I didn't realise schools were places you went to work. I thought they were to go and muck around. Anyway, boy coming home from school and he would go into his uh, dad's office, his dad worked from home, his dad's office, and his dad had a nice sofa in the office, and he would just kick off his shoes, take off his tie, lie down on the sofa, get his phone out, flick through all the stuff he needed to, to look at, took about half an hour or so. His dad would be sitting there just doing uh, his work, carried on working and everything like that, and then after about half an hour, you know, barely speaking to one another, the boy got up and uh, went and did the other stuff he did, left, left the office. But his dad said, the best time of the day for me is when my boy just gets in from school and he just comes and sits in the office, well, lies down, slobs down in the office. And there we are. We're just together. It's all very normal stuff. Nothing spectacular, but it's extra special, very real. And that's what we've got tonight. We're talking about something normal. And what I want us to think about is we're discovering something normal about our relationship with God. And we want to do this tonight. We want to think about this normal stuff so our relationship with God starts to become much more realistic, much more real, if you like, and much more significant. Tonight is called Spirit Care. And it's not, um, there we go, up there, it's amazing, up there, up there even. And um, it's all over the church. It's not a sermon really about how we can be empowered more by the Holy Spirit, but it could be, you never know. This is a sermon about how we really build our relationship with God, how we live day by day in our relationship with God. And obviously the Holy Spirit is very much about that. There's just two words, really, I want us to think about tonight. And these words are two Ps. They, do you remember, if you're old like me, you remember blockbusters, and the best phrase was, I'll have a P, Bob. Well, we're going to have two Ps tonight, Bob. And it's going to be presence and prayer. Presence 
and prayer. And these are both words of the Holy Spirit, words which bring us closer to God. And presence and prayer are both words of Jesus uh, too. And they're found tonight in this passage. Presence is found when Jesus encouraged us to go into the smallest room to find out God. Go into the small room and find out God. In verse 5 he says, And when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But he says, but when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And then after Jesus spoke about that, he went on to teach the Lord's Prayer. And so he he said, go into your small room and pray. Go into your small room and discover and be part of God's presence. And then also, as you do that, I'm going to give you a framework for prayer, which is called the Lord's Prayer. Presence and prayer are disciple words. In other words, if we follow Jesus, they're the things which can be deep within us. We will go into that small room and seek out his presence. We will also engage with God in prayer, and that's called kingdom prayer. Presence and prayer, these are words of relationship us knowing God better and God knowing us better. We give God the space to meet us in our small rooms and we give God our lives by engaging with him in prayer. And presence and prayer are vital. They're the food and drink when it comes to the kingdom of God. Dare I say it that the very secret of Christianity is found in these two words. To understand this word presence is just to think about Jenny and I spending time together, having breakfast together every Friday afternoon. To understand presence, it's like that boy kicking off his shoes and just spending time with his dad. Really good book if you want to, I don't know if this has managed to go on the screens because we've got a problem with the internet and stuff like that, but a really good book to read about this stuff I'm talking about tonight is Pete Gregg's new book called Dirty Glory. Really excellent in encouraging us to understand what these two things mean more and more about presence and prayer. And Pete Gregg in his book says, resting in God's presence is one of the most important and also one of the most difficult things we can ever learn to do. And I must say to me, if you're wanting to push me uh, about where I'm working out my faith at the moment, it's in this idea of presence. That's what's really gripping me at the moment. I really believe in the presence of God and seeking out this presence of God. To me, it seems to be the secret of everything. We can be in a space with God And he can be in a space with us. It's a very miraculous space. It's called a relationship, an engagement, an encounter. And enter into this dynamic space. All we need is a very small space, maybe the smallest room in the house. I don't know what room that is for you, but I know what it is in my house. A cathedral space will produce awe and wonder and amazement. And yet a small space will develop a relationship friendship, an intimacy, a deeper love, 
a more significant satisfaction and joy. And Jesus says, aim for the small space, go for the small things, and you get close to me. He does this all the time when he speaks about mustard seeds and yeast. The seemingly insignificant is where God can be found. The small space is the place of transformation. Or Jesus used another word, he used the word reward uh, in the passage. It's the place of restoration, renewal, and revival. The power of the small room. Now, Pope Francis says this about presence. He says, it should be an experience of giving way, of surrendering, where our entire being enters into the presence of God. This is where dialogue, listening, and transformation occur. Looking at God, but above all things, sensing that we are being watched by him. Now, I love the next part of the quote from the Pope, as he even admits, he says, sometimes... I allow myself to fall asleep while sitting there and just let him look at me. I have the sense of being in someone else's hands. I just, I love that. Letting God look at you even when you're asleep, when you're at your most peaceful, when you're at your most vulnerable even. Just giving God the space to look at you. I'm well into falling asleep prayers. It sounds amazing to me. Presence is simply moving into a space where God is and quite simply enjoying all the wonder and the benefits and the normalness of that space. It's about sitting there and finding that God is there too. He's loving the moment just as you are living through that moment. And this is what I chase. It's not about words. It's not about agendas or prayer lists, or that extra spiritual reading of the Bible where you really try and engage in it and say, Lord, what are you saying to me? But it's simply about being there. For me, all this started when I read a quote from Mother Teresa, which I didn't uh, get. She's now Saint Teresa, to be completely contemporary. And uh, she said when she was alive, not as a saint, uh, but she said uh, in her prayers, she just simply sat there in the presence of God and he simply sat there too there was no words no transactions no lists it was just sitting there and at first I thought this seemed really pointless why do you just want to sit there do something why would you do that and yet I just went on to look at the fruit of her life the love the care the going the extra miles the life's changed by an interaction with her there's obviously so much more going on in that space where she was quiet and God was quiet. It gripped me. It made me feel my agenda-based prayers, which I was pretty good at, asking for God's blessing on everything in my life were rather limp and maybe a bit pointless. I then got gripped by a teaching centuries ago by Brother Lawrence, who simply practiced the presence of God in everything he did, waking up, getting ready, doing the washing up. He just practiced the presence of God. He, he looked for God in everything he was doing as he was going through the day. And, uh, and he recognized as he did this, God was absolutely everywhere in and in absolutely everything and especially the boring and the mundane that was where God lived God's love was in every moment and in every moment God can be found it was the simple simpleness of everyday living that God could be encountered and that 
in that simpleness, we can relate to God in a more profound and grateful way. On good days, the way I work this out is when I walk through a new door, every time I walk through the new, a new door, I say, God, please just let me see you in this new space I am going into. Let me see your fingerprints in this room. It's a wonderful way to try, try and live. And as I gripped, as this idea gripped me about the presence of God, Canadian person, I don't know, I don't, are there any Canadians in church tonight? Yeah, they're not going to admit to it. I find them a bit boring, even though my hero was Gilles Villeneuve. We used to have a Canadian at college, and you never wanted to be sit near him when he did the Lord's Prayer, because he took so long over it. He was about five lines behind everyone else. But anyway, this Canadian called Anne Voskamp, and if ever you watch a video of her, she, she does paint a flowery picture, let me tell you. So don't just ignore all that. Get to the heart of what she is about. But she had a brilliant idea, and it, she just simply called her idea uh, Eucharistio, a Latin word, and it's a word which we use for communion sometimes when we say the Eucharist. We say the Eucharistic prayer. And Eucharisteo simply means thanksgiving. Anne's idea was you live your life day by day, simply looking for those areas of thanksgiving. And as you see those places, and again, it's often in the simple and insignificant, you note them and you maybe write them down. And as you become more grateful, you connect more closely to God. His presence, if you like, becomes more tangible as you learn to live the life in gratefulness that God has given you. And yet all of this can be really hard because distractions uh, take over, anxieties and worries hit you when you're in that small room trying to engage with God. It seems to stop the moment. No time, uh, even, sorry, even when you've got the best intentions, even in just a rushed uh, few minutes, um, pain and anger and awareness of the broken inside can just hit you and you stop fully engaging. You want to make a creative space, but in fact, it can sometimes feel very uncreative and very negative. And often you can be in a space, if you're anything like me, where you feel completely unworthy about being in this space with God because you're not good enough. And yet Jesus speaks out from this passage, expecting his disciples to go into the small room and to seek out the Father when you pray is what Jesus said, not if you pray, when, when, when. And when you do, there is hope and um, it changes you. Jesus expects us to pray. Part of the identity of being a Christian is we share our life with God, all of it, the boring as well as the interesting, the mundane as well as the significant. It's a real relationship. We give God the details as well as the big picture. Pete Gregg tells a story that uh, God one day as he's walking along the, uh, on the road just, he felt told him to stop and just have a good look at a tree and he said it was fine but the tree wasn't really that good but God wanted him to look at this very ordinary tree and he was going oh yeah Lord that's a brilliant tree, thank you for letting me stop and look at it but in those moments uh, of, an epiphany came to him. He said it was a very un unimpressive epiphany, but an extraordinary one for him. As he chatted to God about the tree, he realized your relationship with God is at its best when you talk to him about trivia, trees and trains and parking spaces. 
He says, I'd hate it if my children only ever talked to me about grave matters of serious concern. What's more, if you only pray about big, important, weighty matters, you will only occasionally be grateful. But if you learn to pray about things like nice-looking trees or your daily bread when the supermarket is full of stuff, then you will live in a state of continual gratitude for miracles so common that most people take them for granted. So I'm gripped by this word presence, just being yourself in front of God. I'm gripped by the way it can open up our lives, by the way it enables us to encounter God in a most profound way. In the silence, in the normality, God is there. It's not something we earn or strive for. In fact, it becomes something who we are, our, our identity. In this space, we discover one simple thing. We are loved. We're not just loved. We're liked. We're accepted. We're forgiven. We are friends with God. His intentions are positive towards us. Romans 8, in the message version of Romans 8, puts it like this. This resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-trending life. It's an adventurously expectant greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children. Practicing the presence of God brings us to this uh, understanding. And this is where what becomes, I think, a huge challenge for us. Because in our Edinburgh life, in our driven, going for success kinds of life, in our being on trend and working to be ahead of the trend kind of life, being our performance-driven kind of life, our results-orientated kind of life, going for grade A's kind of life, going for the best and having the best kinds of life. All of what I'm talking about is counterintuitive. It's much easier to engage with God with a list and a perfectly formatted prayer time but God, I must tell you, is bored of lists and formats. He's tired of plans. He's fed up of uh, telling us uh, what we want him to, of us telling him, sorry, what we want him to do and uh, all of that kind of stuff. Because what God wants to offer us is a real relationship and real love. And that comes when we seek his presence. Carol Arnott, uh, again a Canadian, said, uh, Canadians obviously have got something here, uh, there must be time for him just to love him and have um, him love us. No agendas, no list of prayer requests. These may come later, but we need to put loving him first because only as we're filled with his love do we have love to give away. So many Christians cannot um, rest in his presence but constantly need to be on duty. I don't want to hear the words, depart from me, I never knew you. I want the love affair to grow. Our prayers, practicing the presence of God, show our identity. I think list of prayers reveal that we see ourselves as servants of God. Resting in his presence show that we are children of God. I want to interview Duncan now who is sitting on the front row. One of the things we need to be clear about as uh, we have this interview, you can come up, mate. It's, it'd be nice. You can grab your chair. and I'll, If you can grab mine as well, that'd be kind. He's going to be a servant now, after all, what I've just said about servants. Anyway, um, one of the things which we need to be clear about this 
It's all of us are working out what this means. None of us are experts at prayer. All of us are on a journey of prayer. So I know I've dragged uh, Duncan up here, and that's completely brilliant. Um, but but you, aren't, you are not an expert, are you, at prayer? No. Do you want to see if that one? Number one. Hello. I, don't, I, I didn't hear that work, but... Hello? Oh, you look at that. It's good. So this is, this is Duncan. Now, I, one, of the things, <laughs> one of the things I need to tell you is, um, in my quest, so being a good evangelical, I always sort of held spiritual direction with a sort of a great deal of sniffiness, thinking that that really wasn't the right way to go. But one of the things which has happened in the last five or six years of my life is... I realise it is the right way to go. And it took me about four, four and a half years to work out, you know, how do I get this sorted in my life? And, uh, and I discovered Duncan was training to be a, a spiritual accompanier. Or, yeah, or a prayer guide. A prayer guide, yeah. great. Which so. is like a spiritual director. It's good enough in Episcopal circles to say a spiritual director. But, but, but what it felt like is Duncan has been on a journey, a very deep journey, a few years ahead of me. Uh, well, I wouldn't say that. Well, you're, you, yeah. you, see, you see, but basically you've, you, 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 you've been on a journey in mm-hmm. prayer. Yeah. And, uh, and you're now my spiritual director, which is wonderful. So it's wonderful having you up here. And I go and tell Duncan all my secrets and, uh, and he's wonderful. And, uh, and you it, lie on the sofa with your socks I off. I do, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I have amazing, amazing sort of times where we, we seem to go on an adventure seeking out God's presence, and, and it's, uh, it's wonderful, and I'm very grateful for it. But, but what would be really great, Duncan, is if you could just tell people, you know, are you married? I am, yeah, yes. Who, who are you married to? I'm married to Judy, who sings Yeah, so she's, she's often singing. And yep. you've got children? I've got three Grown-up children. Three grown-up yeah. children, yeah. and there's two girls and a boy. Two girls and a boy. And do you have a favourite child? They're all my favourites, Richard. Oh, look at that, oh, wonderful. And 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 basically, how, how long have you been a Christian? Oh, thirty years. Thirty years. So you're a bit ahead of me. So, so. <laughs> only, actually, are you? You're about maybe the same. Not, maybe not, I'm no. so old now. It all feels. I think I've been a Christian five years, and you look back, and 64 years later, you still. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, so you've been a Christian. You've been a Christian for a long while. So, I'm assuming that your prayer life has been pretty fantastic across that time. No, it's been absolutely terrible quite a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Just tell us, t- say a little bit about your your prayer life and what, what, what you know. There's a, up to before you decided to to do something about it. Well, I think uh, I was just going to link in with what I was with what John said earlier on with my work. I worked as a, a criminal lawyer defending criminals or people that are charged with criminal offences. And a lot of the guys that I represented were the type of people that uh, John meets up with who are in difficult situations. And um, so I, I represented them through the courts for many years and my prayers became a real babble because the outcomes for those guys was not good generally. Mm-hmm. So tell, tell us about your babble prayers. What, what kind of things were, were they about? Well, I used to uh, convince myself that I was using arrow prayers. I read that arrow prayers were a thing, so I, I thought that that's what I was yeah, praying I, when I just kind of shouted out. I, th- I think arrow prayers are good in yeah, an emergency, yeah. and, and, and especially if you've not had time just to sit down significantly with God. But some, they don't really sustain you, do they? No. Um, mm. And I went through different... I went to sort of prayer 
groups where we did intercessory prayer, praying out loud and that kind of thing. But um, eventually I got to a point where the, the prayers that I were, was, were, was saying were really not hitting the sides. They just weren't. So was that, was that your side or was that God's side? Both. Both, both sides. I'm sure God was fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and what kind of prayers were they? Were they, were they just the, they were the, the shopping Arab? list, shopping list prayers or that, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how did that leave you feeling? Well, quite confused, quite kind of, um, yeah, confused, I think, a lot of the time, yeah. Okay, so, so something began to change in you. How, how long ago was that? Well, about, uh, about five years ago, I suppose, I was involved in a case which affected me quite badly, and mm. um, I had loads of questions to ask, so I, I, I found a prayer guide. Okay, and so you went to a prayer guide... Yep. which is what you, you are now. So it obviously yep. was a very profound meeting. So could you just, yeah. can you just sort of speak a little bit about what was going on there? Well, I, I met up with this person for an hour and I basically sort of spoke for an hour without pausing for breath, mm-hmm. asking him lots of questions. And uh, at the end of the conversation, he just sort of went, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. At the end of the conversation, he said, well, you've got a lot going on up here and we need to move it to here. And we'll do that over the next six months or so. So I'll see you in four weeks. OK. So, so and how did that make you feel? Well, quite reassured. He was very confident that it was going to happen. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so you like the future. We'll, we'll sort that out. So what, mm-hmm. what happened then? Did, 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 what, tell us the next bit of the, the journey. Well, I met up with him for about 18 months, and I think that was longer than he thought. Uh, um, and then eventually he said um, that we could move into a more structured way of, of, of praying. So we, we, we met up for about six months, uh, where I would pray for an hour a day and meet him once a week and speak to him about my, my prayers and what was happening. So can you tell me, tell me what was going on in that hour a day? Yeah, so... Uh, for about the first 10 minutes, it would be a kind of stilling or a quietening, which mm-hmm. uh, was, was helpful to stop all the thoughts kind of crowding in. And then there would be various types of prayer that, that might be suggested by my prayer guide. So, so just give us a, a, a sort of quick example. Okay, so imaginative contemplation is one way where you uh, read a passage of scripture several times and then... Um, immerse yourself. You imagine you're in the in the place of one of the characters in the story. You, you imagine with all your, all of your senses what what's going on, and you just see where it takes you. And and how helpful do you find that kind of way of approaching prayer? Yeah, I, I personally find it really helpful. It's not for everybody, but I, f- I find it really helpful. And did did he help you with any other way of praying, or was that was that the one which really gripped you? That, that one I found really helpful. Uh, there's also um, sacred reading or Lectio Divina, where you read a passage and see what jumps out at you, and then let that work through your mind and then see where God might be calling you through the words. So it sounds a long time an hour to to pray. Did it require a huge amount of act of the will to to do this this kind of Well, to start with, I mean, it it wasn't... I consistently did it, but it wasn't consistently an awesome experience. Sometimes it was, I would fall asleep or just yeah. kind of look out the window. Or, but over time, as time went by, I found that I looked forward to doing it 
more and more. Uh, and what, what are the things you look forward to in, in, in doing it? Well, in, uh, encountering God, really. I mean, it, yeah. feels, it feels like a very, uh, feels like a very um, personal space to okay. be with God. So, your spiritual guide, prayer guide, said your faith was up in your head. So what, what happened? Well, it moved. Yeah. <laughs> and, Tell us uh, about that a little bit. Well, it moved to a point where I felt I was a child of God. And, yeah, uh, yeah it was a very deep experience. So, yeah. So, t- yeah. so why is that significant about feeling that you're a child of God? That's a difficult question, Rich. You didn't... <laughs> <laughs> That's what um, well, feel, feeling you're a child of God means that you're valued, but you're valued not for what you're doing or what you've done or, or that kind of thing. You're just valued because you're you. Yeah. yeah. Great. And, and how did that change your life? Well, I think it removed a massive uh, burden from me because I felt that I was, uh, I was given my instructions from God to go and kind of save the world. And uh, I was trying my best, but it yeah. wasn't really working. So the, when... That, that release, that kind of, um, the, the burden being lifted was, was very significant. Great. So there might be some people here tonight are thinking, all this presence of God stuff and, uh, and this prayer things we're talking about and spending an hour, that's horrifically long. So, so what, what, what could you suggest, how would you suggest people could creatively move forward from this space? Well, there's two things. Uh, I, I, after a few months, after the very structured prayer time, uh, I wasn't praying so much. So I said to my spiritual director, I'm not sure if I'm praying enough. And he said, well, Duncan, um, are you tempted by some horrendous sin beyond what you can bear? And I said, I don't think so. Uh, and he said, um, is your ministry fruitful as far as you can see? I said, well, I think so. He said, well, you're praying just exactly the right amount. So, so that was quite liberating. Yeah. But um, if anybody wants to find out more, then they should speak to one of the members of the clergy here who I think know other people in the clergy who are able to accompany, and that would probably be a good step ahead. And, and would, you, would you recommend, I mean, obviously I'm going to recommend it because you're sat here. It's, it's completely liberating yeah. hour we spend together when, mm. we, when we do once a month. But, but would you recommend people pursue that kind of of relationship? Well, well uh, I think for me the, the difference has been that uh, Jesus be- has become my friend and, uh, and it's an intimate relationship and church rather than being uh, a place to go has become a community, a relationship with, with other Christians and that's a, that's a huge, Great. both of those are big shifts. Great. I would recommend that for anybody. So just quickly before we wrap this up, before all this happened, did you, did you know you were loved by God? I, th- I think I knew in my head that I was, yeah, and I would say that I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so this has become, it's more like an encounter now with you. You've encou- yeah, you yeah. encounter God. Yeah. And uh, it's transformed you. I'm, or am I oh, putting words yeah. in your mouth there? You probably are a bit, yeah. A bit. I, don't want, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Yeah. Look, I'm really very grateful for you just sharing a little bit of your journey of prayer, of, of understanding God more. So thank you. Can we just give Duncan a round of applause? Just to... So what um, I want us to do now, just as we finish off today, is I just want us to pause and to be uh, quiet because... In the prayer, Jesus, in the passage, Jesus did say, go into the room, your room, and pray. 
but also um, uh, he gave a model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. I preached on this about a year ago, if you want to hear a sermon on it. Um, uh, but this is a model prayer. It's not something to be rattled off like we do in lit- if you come to a communion service. We rattle it off uh, in about 20 seconds flat. It's not a, a prayer really meant to do that at all. It's a prayer to experience, uh, to slow down to, to breathe to. It's a prayer which helps us to encounter God and it shapes our thinking if we decide to stop and pray. I know of no other more powerful prayer than the Lord's Prayer which can deepen our, our walk with God. So what I want us to do now is I just want us to stop for five minutes and I'm just going to say the Lord's Prayer very slowly. And as I say it, it might be something strikes you. It might be, uh, as Duncan said, God might be trying to say something to you in those, in those moments. And so let's pause and let's just be quiet. Let's be still. There's loads of verses in the Bible about being still, but a significant one is Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. For the prophet Elijah, it was when he was still and heard the gentle whisper that he encountered God. And Isaiah encouraged people in Isaiah 55 to seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. The Lord is near. We can seek him. Be still and know that I am God. Let's pause for a bit. Jesus said, when you pray, pray, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name.
your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. as we also have forgiven those who sin against us.
and lead us not into temptation. but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. If you're drawn into this, if you're thinking, yeah, this is a place I need to start to inhabit, I'm, I'm ignoring it, I'm not doing this as I'd really like to do it, I haven't got the depth of relationship with God, my faith is up in my head, not in my heart. If you're feeling, well, I'm not sure... If, uh, if I know that God really loves me, why not uh, set your timer, as many people do, uh, to midday tomorrow. Just uh, have a little alarm go off every day at midday. And if you've got a few minutes, just very slowly pray the Lord's Prayer. Point yourself towards God, his rule and his kingdom. Ask his rule to be down on earth. Ask him to give you what you need, not more than you need or less than you need, what you need. And pray that forgiveness is part of your reality as well as God's protection. That can be ours every day. And as we pray it, we will fall more and more in love with our Father in heaven. And we will discover more of his love in our lives. As we were going through that that prayer, I had a a very mad picture of a ruby in... um, it's like a Trivial Pursuit um, piece which you race around the board. I always lose at Trivial Pursuit and lose at, but this wasn't about losing. But what I think it was saying is um, there's people here who are very intellectual and clever and are questioning a lot, as you have to answer lots of questions in Trivial Pursuit. And I think God is saying that he loves your questions. It's like treasure, your questions. It's like ruby, rubies. And, and it's sort of as if go for those questions, even if you feel it's doubting, which sometimes you can when you've got lots of questions about faith. Even if you feel like that, it is absolute treasure and, and keep on with doing that. That's what I felt was happening. It could be complete nonsense as always. This is always with a health warning, but uh, it felt as though that that's what God was doing. And it also felt as though he was saying, don't miss out. This is for completely everyone. The small room is for everyone. 
Don't miss out on that space. God bless you.